Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning, witches. It is February 15th, 2024. It is Thursday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. Today's episode is brought to you by Readings by Tanya. So let's get your day going with a little magic. Our quote of the day is, you find peace not in rearranging the circumstances of your life, but by realizing who you are at the deepest level. Cartol. Today we are talking jasmine oil. We've already talked about the history, the lore, the magical properties, and today we're talking about health. And this is particularly jasmine oil, and this is from healthline.com. So jasmine is a popular home, re- home remedy believed to have numerous health benefits, even though a lot of them are not scientifically proven. So keep in mind, we're thinking um, aromatherapy for this first one, but antidepressant. There is some evidence that aromatherapy can effectively reduce depressive symptoms. And a study that looked at jasmine essential oil found that when compared to a placebo, jasmine oil increased behavioral arousal. Next, antiseptic. Jasmine oil made from various species of the plant has been found to have antibacterial properties. Its antiseptic effects have been uh, extensively studied and found to fight various bacteria. Next, aphrodisiac. Uh, Jasmine's romantic scent has long been believed to have an aphrodisiac effect. It's been worn as a fragrance in parts of India. Jasmine flowers are often included as decor at weddings and in newlyweds' bedrooms. And some people believe it can help decrease menopause symptoms. Essential oils for menopause relief is not new, and they've been used for years to treat symptoms of menopause such as hot flashes and depression. Though the evidence on the effect of jasmine on menopause symptoms is very limited, it has been shown effective when improving mood and reducing depression. It's also been used as a sedative. While some evidence has confirmed that jasmine oil can increase alertness and energy levels, evidence also shows it can have a calming effect as well. And this is from Healthline.com. All right, moving into some some headlines. This comes to us from HeyAlma.com. Returning to the Lost Practices of Jewish Witchcraft, written by Jericho Vincent. So this is an essay that we're not going to get fully into, but I will link to it if you're curious and you want to uh, know more, but I am going to share some of it. So this person writes, as a Jewish spiritual leader, I find it heartbreaking when folks with Jewish ancestry tell me that they don't feel Jewish enough. They almost always say something about not keeping kosher or Shabbat or not going to synagogue. And do you know who decided kosher, Shabbat, and synagogue? A bunch of men, mostly after the Holocaust. So that is something that I think is really fascinating and something that I think exists in all religion, right? There's like these rules everyone feels like they have to abide by. 
And we see that in witchcraft as well. There's the people who say, well, if you don't go this way or that way or do it this way, you're wrong. And we see it in all kinds of religions. And it is very interesting. There is somebody I follow on TikTok. Uh, her name is Miriam. She is an Orthodox Jewish person. And someone asked her a question and said, well, what do you do if you mess up? Oh, sure. Like, what do you, like, what do you, do if, if you consume something in a non-kosher way? She's like, nothing. I just continue to be kosher after. It's like, she, I loved her response of like, the world doesn't end, you know? It's not like I'm no longer Jewish. I just then continue on. She's like, we do it uh, as just a symbol of our faith. It's not like we believe these horrible things are going to occur if we mess up, which I love that uh, kind of attitude about it. Uh, the writer continues, witchcraft, the practice of marginalized people, usually women, using mysterious or taboo or spiritual powers to try to clarify or alter material reality, is very Jewish. If you feel the need to evaluate how Jewish you are and you'd like to call upon a more female-centric definition of the term, you might ask yourself, how witchy am I? I love this. I love this idea um, that all these spiritualities are not actually that different, you know? Uh, so I'm going to link this article in our link tree. So if you want to read more about it, read more about this person's essay, please check it out. I think it's really neat. All right, witches, I'm going to throw this over to our moon correspondent. And after this break, we will talk more. Hello to all of my astro friends. This is Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, coming at you with your daily moon mantra for Thursday, February 15th. The waxing crescent moon continues to smell the roses in Taurus today. Here, the moon squares Mercury and conjuncts Uranus. We may get some unexpected bad news today that will likely throw us off our game. It's important to remember that this setback is actually relatively minor. While it may end up redirecting us, it might point out a major flaw in our initial plans. Take some time to consider where things were falling short before trying to push forward again. Use this opportunity to rest, reset, and come back stronger. Your daily moon mantra is, the comeback is always stronger than the setback. This has been your daily moon mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. Only the elusive and exclusive witches, eminent in their communities and ever attuned to the murmurs of the world, are privy to the Grimoire Society's monthly missive. Not for the frivolous, obtuse, or inattentive, our cereal caters to the creme de la creme of witching society, imparting knowledge, amusement, and the art of conjuration at every turn of the moon. Safely ensconced within your witch's cabinet, nestled between the eye of Newt, or consider presenting a subscription to the fledgling witch, new to the neighborhood with a yearning for the enchanting camaraderie of the witching world. Only $5 an issue, free shipping, U.S. only, at thegrimoiresociety.com. All right, we are back. So if you remember, we talked about Lupercalia yesterday when we were talking about Valentine's Day. So if you if you didn't listen yesterday, we basically talked um, about how Valentine's Day has nothing to do with love. And there are some people who believe it is a Christian reimagining of Lupercalia. 
Now, the perspective we looked at yesterday was not through this lens. It was through a different lens, but they did touch on it. So this comes from history.com. Uh, Lupercalia was an ancient festival held every year in Rome on February 15th. Although Valentine's Day shares its name with a modern martyred Christian saint, some historians believe the holiday is an offshoot of Lupercalia. Unlike Valentine's Day, however, Lupercalia was a bloody, violent, and sexually charged celebration awash with animal sacrifice, random matchmaking, and coupling in the hopes of warding off evil spirits and infertility. So no one knows the exact ori uh, origin of Lupercalia, but it has been traced back as far as the 6th century BC. According to Roman legend, the ancient king Amulius ordered Romulus and Remus, his twin nephews and founders of Rome, to be thrown into the Tiber River to drown in retribution for their mother's broken vow of celibacy. The servant took pity on them, however, and placed them inside of a basket on the river instead. The river god carried the basket and the brothers downriver to a wild fig tree where it became caught in the branches. The brothers were then rescued and cared for by a she-wolf in a den at the base of a hill where Rome, the city, was founded. The twins were later adopted by a shepherd and his wife and learned their father's trade. After killing the uncle who'd ordered their death, they found the cave den of the she-wolf who'd nurtured them and named it Lupercal. It's thought Lupercalia took place to honor the she-wolf and please the Roman fertility goddess. Or god, I'm sorry. So Lupercalia rituals took place in a few places. Lupercal Cave. Um, the festival began at Lupercal Cave with the sacrifice of one or more male goats. And the sacrifices were performed by Luperci, a group of Roman priests, and then afterwards, the foreheads of two naked Lupercis were smeared with the animal's blood using the bloody sacrificial knife. The blood was then removed with a piece of milk-soaked wool. And yeah. So in ancient Rome, feasting began after the ritual sacrifice when the Feast of Lupercal was over. The Luperci cut strips, uh, also called thongs, of goat hide of the newly sacrificed goats. Then they ran naked, or nearly naked, with their little thongs, uh, whipping any woman within striking distance with the thongs. Oh, they hit people with the thongs. I thought they were wearing the thongs. Well, weird either way. So, <laughs> during Lupercalia, the men randomly chose a woman's name from a jar to be coupled with during the festival. Often the couple stayed together until the following year's festival and many married. Over time, nakedness during Lupercalia lost popularity. The festival became more chaste, if still undignified, and women were whipped with their hands by fully clothed men. Uh, Caesar famously refuses a golden crown presented to him by Mark Anthony during a feast of Lupercalia. Yeah, and then, of course, there's some people who believe uh, Lupercalia is what became Valentine's Day. Now, if you were listening yesterday, I kind of talked about how I just vibe with any of the Valentine's Day stuff. Modern or historic, real or fiction or the, any line. In, but I kind of like this Lupercalia wildness. I think it's really fun. So, like, what are some ways I feel like we could modernly celebrate I mean, if you want to be naked, that's all on you. 
Um, but I definitely think it could be a great holiday for the wildness of life. So maybe you and your partner could uh, do some kind of fun, nakedy games, or maybe you could do a feast out of things that look bloody. So maybe you could do like cherry juice or red wine or beet salad with a roast, like this idea of like leaning into this like really bloody uh, feasting idea. Maybe you could wear crowns and then maybe someone refuses the crown like Caesar. Like there's definitely some like kind of fun things you could do here. Uh, I like the, also the idea of pulling names out of a hat. So maybe you could do something with that. I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of like some really fun modern ideas. I do like that it is the celebration of the she-wolf. So maybe dog parents out there, maybe this could be the day of your fur baby. Maybe you could have a day in celebration of your dog uh, and have that be Lupercalia. Maybe they get a special treat. Maybe they get dressed up in gold and you treat them like a little deity. I love those TikTok videos of people giving their dogs like little massage spa days. I think that is so cute. So yeah, maybe it could be a little day of celebration for your fur baby. Or to lean into the picking things out of the hat idea, maybe you can make a list of things you want this year. So maybe you can go off of your vision board. So let's say you did a vision board last week and you had five goals or 10 goals. Maybe you can write them all down, fold them up, put them in a hat. And then whichever goal you pull out, like that's the one that you really put a lot of effort and energy into right? So there's some really kind of fun ideas just kind of based off of what you like, your personality. Um, if you want to do things solo or with other people, maybe you could do a self-date night. Maybe you could just have a feast of bloody looking foods. There's definitely something here, right? Uh, that could be really, really fun. Uh, even if you're not into deity worship, which I'm not, I tend to Look for things that or activities that don't really involve deity worship. I actually just remembered I have a friend coming over tomorrow night or a few friends coming over tomorrow night. Maybe I could do a little Bracalia feast for us and I'll note where we end up. So I'm going to do my best at creating kind of like a modern, casual, Lubricalia, maybe feast and activity thing. And then I will report back. What about tag? I feel like tag could be a really fun uh, modern Lupercalia thing as well. Hmm. If you do anything cool for it, let me know. I'm super curious and I want to know kind of how you approach it. All right, witches. We are wrapping up this episode of The Witch Daily Show. Do we have any headlines? Yes, we do have a headline. Okay. Uh, headline on the patreon we do have a spell of the month so go check it out it is a card spread for uh missing things missing information finding the missing puzzle piece so think missing and it is a card spread so go check that out um and that's all i've got for you so i'm um i'm gonna give a quick shout out to listener tammy ann tammy you bombastic scrumptious newborn baby Kristen Northcutt, you insidious scholarly unicorn nurse, 
Kelly Carrado, you opulent, starry-eyed gnome. And Stephanie Pinion, you scholarly, talented vampire slayer. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. And I'll keep you updated on my Lupercalia feast. So if I do it, you'll know by this weekend. Okay. Facebook, Discord, Patreon, blah, blah, blah. And that's it. That's all I've got for you. So don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources, anything we reference today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Bye. Witches, we hope you have a wonderful day full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. <laughs>